the Bible always contrasts two different kinds of people. If you just look throughout, from cover to cover, you'll see this. There are the wise, and then there are the foolish. And there is always that invitation that is given for, for us to become wise and a little bit less foolish. And I really don't think I've ever talked to anyone who has said they have attained all wisdom in the world, that they've reached complete enlightenment and know everything and know how to make every decision and deal with every difficulty and, and all of that. We just aren't there yet. Oh, Randy did mention that. <laughs> he admitted to it. <laughs> Other than Randy, I don't know anyone. <laughs> and so there are uh, some great descriptions we're going to look at in the scripture today, even for Randy, to be able to know how to attain wisdom. But I saw a video last night on YouTube that I just had to share with you. It's part of the Stupid Burglar series that you can find on YouTube. So take a look at this and uh, kind of have to really watch it. It's short. Those are two fools, wouldn't you say? Uh, they really deserve what they get. I, I think that's the title of that video. How can we be less like them and more wise? How can we operate with wisdom in our life? How can we get to that place of wisdom? Sometimes we think we're really there. And we look around and, and think that uh, everything's covered, everything's taken care of, we feel secure. And then we realize we've made the stupidest decision we could ever make. And we all do that because we're human and we're all imperfect. And we continue to seek to find a way to that place of wisdom. And if not, we just go down a terrible pathway that looks like uh, these, what these guys uh, are probably doing uh, in jail right now. As they're contemplating some pretty dumb things that they've done in their lives. How is it that we can get there? Well, we've heard already from... Uh, 1 Kings, as it was read, it describes for us uh, how David was seeking wisdom. And we've heard about wisdom in Psalm 111. And then in Ephesians 5, uh, we get some really wonderful just nuggets of wisdom and application that we can take with us into our lives. And so let's, let's look at this again. If you have your uh, bullets and take a look at that, or as you have your Bible, you can look in Ephesians chapter 5. And we've been walking through Ephesians quite a bit here in the last several weeks, and it is just so practical. At least the, the second half of it just really gets to the heart of daily living. Even if it was uh, long ago on the streets of Ephesus, it, it still has application for the streets that we go up and down today. It is something that, that speaks to us. And so uh, as we look here, the first thing that he begins with is be careful. He just starts out by saying, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Paul knew this, the church that he was writing to, and he knew the things that, that they were going through and the problems that they were uh, push, the problems that they were uh, dealing with in their lives. And so he writes to them so that they could understand that uh, they, they need to be there we go. We, they need to be wise and not foolish with the things that they're doing. He, he went through and talked about the significance of living in Christ and the, the great things that, that they could access 
in Christ. Now he says, take all of that and, and live with it. Live according to the principles and the things that, that you've heard in Scripture, that I've taught you, that you used to found this church and the, the gospel that you've heard. And don't do the things that are unwise. We also understand that uh, Solomon uh, prayed for wisdom, did he not? He had all the things that he could pray for. He, he had really uh, almost like a, a genie, where he could rub a genie and then you know, something would come out. Uh, but this was something different. This was God saying to Solomon, pray for whatever that you would like. And it was kind of a test from God to see what he would say. And Solomon says, well, I'm sure he was thinking. I'm sure there were all kinds of things running through his head. And he comes to the point of saying, I'm just going to pray for wisdom. Help me to discern what is right and what is wrong. And, and if you will do that, that's really all I need. And so we think about the wisdom of Solomon. And he was imperfect too, by the way. But he had a great amount of wisdom in his life. We need to be careful that we walk in the way of wisdom. And that we make the right choice in the way that God wants us to go. There are a lot of dangerous things and a lot of dangerous decisions and, and consequences that we can face out there when we don't walk in wisdom. I read a, a story that came from a news article uh, not too long ago, about some kids that were playing out on the playground. They found uh, something that was very dangerous. It says children will play with virtually anything they get their hands on. And it's no surprise then that when Dutch children in the town of Barneveld uncovered an unexploded World War II artillery shell, they played with it. In fact, they had uh, made games with it, and they played with it for several months. Here is a live artillery shell, and they're just playing with it, have no idea what they're doing. And that shell was still alive and contained high amounts of explosives. Thankfully, the deadly plaything did not explode in the Barneveld playground as the children tossed it about. Eventually, the authorities learned about the shell. They confiscated it and exploded it in a safe place. We do the same kind of thing, don't we? We, we take things into our lives and, and we foolishly play with them and, and we uh, keep them in our lives and we make games with them and we really have no idea what could explode right in front of us. And we are reminded by Scripture that we ought to be careful with what we have in our lives. We ought to be careful about the things that we bring into our lives and the places we go and the people that we talk to and the things that we do. We need to be careful that we are living and seeking the kinds of lives that, that would be wise that we can understand the difference between uh, the, the narrow path and the broad path, as Jesus would talk about. That we could understand the significance of, of how to apply the wisdom that God has made accessible to all of us, if we will just ask. And so there's a choice that we get to make. This past week, you had a choice. I don't know what it was or when it was, but you had a choice to do something wise, or to do something foolish. How many of you did something foolish this past week? <laughs> Good. Y'all are the honest ones. And that was foolish of you to put your hand up. No. We all do things that are foolish at times. But we have that choice. It is always before us. And usually, we hear that voice that comes to us. And it's usually a still, small voice. Maybe sometimes God yells it at you. But you know when... There's something that is right and when something is, is wrong. Something is foolish, something is wise. And 
we get ourselves into all kinds of situations. But we need to ask God for wisdom if we can't see that pathway. What are the things that are going on in your life right now that, that you could ask God wisdom for? And, and maybe you haven't even thought about doing that. Maybe it's something that relates to a, a relationship or relates to your finances or relates to something that's going on in your life. And, and you just haven't taken the time to say, God, I have no idea what to do. I'm just going to admit it because I don't know which step to take from here. Would you please give me the wisdom to step ahead? And that beautiful Proverbs, by the way, trust in the Lord with all your heart and acknowledge God in all of your ways and He will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and understand that He will give you wisdom. And there are other scriptures throughout the Bible that tell us that God will do that if we'll ask. So have you asked lately? And have you made the most of what God has given you? It's that wonderful phrase in Latin, carpe diem, seize the day. Don't be stupid about your days. Don't be stupid about the life that God has given you. Don't be stupid about the gifts that God has given to you to use in the church and in the community. And we need to hear that in our lives. We need to understand that life is short, is it not? We have no idea about our next breath. We all just took one, but we had no idea about it. And you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea what's going to happen next year. You have today, and you have this moment, and what will you do with this moment? How will it affect the decisions that you make with your life, and with your gifts, and with your career, and with the way that you volunteer your time, and the things that you do? Make the most. That's wisdom. And that's what Paul mentions to us here. But there's a, a second thing, a second nugget of wisdom that's here. And that is to understand God's will. Now this is not rocket science, it's just real basic. Understand God's will. And you'll notice here in the, the, the next scripture in verses 18 and 19. I'm sorry, verse 17. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So that's the opposite of being foolish, Paul says. Understand what, what God's will is and what God wants to do in this world. Notice how it doesn't say God's will for you in this world or God's individual will for you and the decision that you need to make. Although that is a part of God's will. But he says understand what the, the will of the Lord is. And that will solve so many problems in your church there at Ephesus and in your lives and in your relationships. Understand it. Martin Luther King Jr. understood um, God's will. And this was something as he continued to uh, fit in with God's place for him in the world. He certainly didn't understand what was getting ready to happen to him. Although his words began to foreshadow that in a, in a, uh, a very frightening kind of way. But he said, I still believe that standing up for the truth of God is the greatest thing in the world. This is the end of life. The end of life is not to be happy the end of life is not to achieve pleasure and avoid pain. The end of life is to do the will of God, come what may. He had a great understanding of God's will, and that was wisdom. We need to understand what God's will is. How do we do that? We ask that question all the time, don't we? It's especially common with people who are 
in high school or in college, and they're trying to figure out who they are and figure out what God wants them to do in, in this life. At least, hopefully, they're wondering and asking that question. But we're there, too, aren't we? We, we get there. Whatever age you are, there's no doubt that you ask that question at times. What, what am I supposed to be doing? And, and why am I here? But why do we make it so hard? I mean, God has already given us all the information that we need about doing what God wants us to do in this world. It's already all there. At least there's enough for us to do to keep us busy for a lifetime. And we get all caught up in, well, should I do this or should I do that? And that's why I don't give out spiritual gifts assessments anymore. I used to do that all the time. It was a big thing back in uh, the uh, late 80s and the early 90s uh, Give everybody a spiritual gifts test. And, and I got so tired of it because people would come and say, I don't know, I don't have any spiritual gifts. <laughs> and I would say, leave. No, I don't say <laughs> I would always find a gift that God wanted to give them. And it usually involved uh, middle school. No, I'm just kidding. But we get so, uh, so confused and, and struggle so much with the individual thing that God wants us to do today. When we really ought to be looking at the big picture to say, God has a particular thing that He wants to do in this world. And if, if we just want to boil it all down like Jesus did, we could say, love God, love neighbor. That'll take care of it. And there are some specifics to that. But if we'll just focus in on loving God and loving neighbor, and we can look at other scripture about doing justice and mercy and, and all of those things, but they all fall into those two categories. Or as Jesus said, they all hang. The law and the prophets, they hang on these two commands. Love God, love neighbor. Do that, and you really won't have to worry about what God's will is. You will understand it, and you will know it in your life. And so, awaken to God's will, to the kingdom of God. But finally, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul just puts them all right in order here. And this is the last half of that passage. He says, do not get drunk with wine. And we always point out, it says don't... Drink wine, it just says don't get drunk with wine. Amen? Amen. Oh, okay. <laughs> for, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. See the contrast Paul is making? Don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> be filled up with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. I think we did that this morning. We sang songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing them among yourselves. There's that idea of community that's there. Singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. Giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is this aspect of being filled up with the Spirit. And Paul answers whatever question they had about the Spirit for him. By saying, well here's how to do it. Here's how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Start out by singing. Make some music in your heart. Do it in a, a place of community and be sure that you do some thanksgiving. I had to cut y'all off this morning because y'all were so thankful. You just kept going and that's great. We need to do that. We need to recognize what God has done in our lives and that's a part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So how can you be wise? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God's wisdom. There is always this idea, and, and there's a, a difference between um, two aspects of, of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. 
we can hear people in their different denominations that talk about being spirit-filled. And they define it in a way of it, that it will be evident perhaps in speaking in tongues. Or it will be evident in a certain particular way that you live your life. And certainly that is true. I think when God's Spirit fills you, it is evident. But there is, I think, what Paul is mentioning here. They, they are already filled with the Spirit, but the Spirit is not reigning in their lives. And there is this difference between the residence of the Holy Spirit and the presidents of the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit reside in you? Or does the Holy Spirit preside in you? You see the difference? You want really both. You want the Spirit to reside in you, which God gives to us. He gives us His Spirit. But then we need to make sure we're allowing His Spirit to preside over us and our decisions and our thoughts and our churches and the things that we do. That's wisdom, isn't it? Knowing that, that God will help us make the right decisions and do the right things in this world because of His Spirit. So how much residence is the Spirit taking in you and how much presiding is the Spirit doing in your life? Something we ought to ask ourselves from time to time. But also by worship. It's not just understanding the difference between those two, but understanding worship and the power of worship. And as we gather together, some powerful things happen. We saw that last week as, as we began to uh, pray uh, for a need and be able to gather around one of our own. And we talked about that last week about being members of one another and all that that means. <clears throat> It's worship. It's coming together and giving praise to God, but doing it with each other. Yes, you can go and worship somewhere else. You can go outside and you can uh, go find a real nice shade tree to sit under and you know, contemplate God and give Him praise. But that's really not the end of what God desired for you. It is that you would come together with other people and give worship to God. And I'm so grateful that Bill and Bonnie and Rachel are here. And I, I think... God for them and the way that, um, that, that they will lead us in worship. And I, I don't know if you read this past week about Bonnie, and she has the, the gift of being able to take words and to take um, an idea and to be able to put it into a song and, and to be able to put it into a, a dance and an offering to God. And uh, I can't do that, and Lord knows you don't want me to do that. <laughs> I, d I just can't. But Bonnie can, and... Bill can do wonders with music and arranging and putting things together and, and, and just to be able to lead us in this time of worship. But it, it's also about singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. There's no doubt you'll leave this place today with Lean On Me. It going, it's going to be an earworm in your head. And you'll continue to think about that and leaning on the everlasting arms and, and what that means for you as you continue from here in the next week but also by giving thanks. Think about what God will do in your life this next week. And then come back next week and give thanks. Be ready to just say, I can't wait to get to church and tell people what God did in my life. It was a horrible week, but this is what God did for me and what God did in me. And you could come and share that. Uh, this past week, Jenny, she's got a, a, a car that has a little bit different tire to it. And I've, I'm... I'm kind of foolish in this way. I don't understand what was going on with her tire. You can kind of see here. I don't know if you can see up close, but you can see the red 
particles over there, those are uh, demon-like. Um, and then you can see the ones with the smiley faces over there. Uh, the, the red ones are uh, oxygen and the others are nitrogen. Jenny had a low tire. The little thing went off in her car and says, you know, you have a low tire. And so she went immediately to the gas station to get some air in the tire and she was going to go to one of those that, uh, where they'd come out and, and help her with it. And the guy said, I can't, I can't help you with this because what you need is nitrogen in your tires. You can't put just regular air in there. And I, she called me and told me that and I said, Jenny, I think he, uh, it's kind of a blonde thing and uh, I've never heard of that before. And so she took it to the dealership and, and sure enough the dealership said, you need, yeah, these are nitrogen tires and you need to put nitrogen in these tires. And the difference, I, I looked this up, and there's a forum on the, in, on the internet that says, is there any advantage to using nitrogen instead of compressed air in tires? Well, I noticed improved fuel economy or a smoother ride. And will my tires last longer? And the author says, sort of. From the top, air is 78% nitrogen, just under 21% oxygen, and the rest is water vapor. CO2 and small concentrations of noble gases such as neon and argon. We can ignore the other gases. There are several compelling reasons to use pure nitrogen in tires. First, it is, uh, first is that nitrogen is less likely to migrate through tire rubber than is oxygen, which means that your tire pressures will remain more stable over the long term. And he says racers figured out pretty quickly that tires filled with nitrogen rather than air also exhibit less pressure change with temperature swings. And that means more consistent inflation pressure during a race as the tires heat up. And when you're tweaking a race car's handling with half PSI changes, that's important. But also, passenger cars can benefit from the more stable pressures. But there's more. Humidity, or water, is a bad thing to have inside of a tire. Water, present as a vapor or even as a liquid in a tire, causes more of a pressure change with temperature swings than dry air does. And it also promotes corrosion of the steel or the aluminum rim. Now that's a little science lesson that I had to learn this past week. And as I was thinking about this text and what it means to be filled, I, I thought about this filling of a tire and, and how uh, it is very important that we make sure that we are filled with the right stuff. Because things will come in and try us and, and the heat of life and the instability and the, the things that will come our way as we go down the road of life can wreak havoc on us. They can cause you to have a, a blowout in your life. And so the challenge is to make sure that you're filled with the right stuff. That you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you do so, you will find stability and strength and endurance. So, as you go into the next week, will you find the wisdom that God has for you? May it be so. Let us pray. Our God, we do thank you that you have provided.